Good morning, diners and travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Anne and Peter Haig, and we're going to be talking today about products. You know, those good specialty yeah. food yeah. products. Yeah, food, food stuffs. Yeah. yeah. Stuff, stuff, stuff you really enjoy knowing on. <laughs> Yeah, and, and knowing about because you have to keep up. There's everything changes at such a rapid pace. And of pace. course, of course, knowing on the menu, we 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 didn't we didn't just go we didn't just go to Giant Eagle or to Whole Foods markets. No, <laughs> to, we have to, a go-to to person you, to bring you the right answer. The yeah. go, the, 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 a go-to person for a long time is, is Robert Schuler from Melissa's, and uh, every so often he brings us up to date on a whole range of of new products in the market and in, in the produce area. So anyhow, here's Robert Schuler from Melissa's. You know, Robert Schuler, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time. You've become pretty synonymous with Melissa's, also uh, known as World Variety Produce. Uh, how many years have you been there? I've been here at Melissa's for 23 years and, and county. So yeah. and I've been around the produce industry and the food industry for a long time now. Yeah, you're called... The produce guru. <laughs> and I know if I ever have a question, who do I call? <laughs> Robert Schuller. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, just give for our I, listeners. I, I thought you called Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, the, uh, just a, a sort of a brief for our listeners who don't know, uh, just a rundown, a quick history of Melissa's. It was founded how many years ago? It was Founded 35 years ago, Melissa's World Variety Produce is the largest variety of supplier of produce into the United States. We have a product line of over 1,500 different produce items, and you'll find our products in supermarket stores across the country. Yeah, the first, um, of course, the name, the name of the business comes from the um, only daughter of the founders, right? Yes, Joe and Sharon Hernandez started the company 35 years ago. Well, nine months after the company was founded, the their only baby, Melissa, was born, and hence that's how our company um, package turned from World Variety Produce to the brand name Melissa's. Well, you know, it seems to me that I've seen the Melissa's brand name in the supermarkets forever. Um, so... Was the first product Sunchokes? That was one of many um, uh, products that we had introduced into the marketplace. Sunflower chokes or Sunchokes or what they call Jerusalem artichokes. We have been that company is known for introducing interesting and different varieties of produce that are known more ethnically, not necessarily here in the United States, but over time, We've, you know, been able to market our produce, and, and, and over time, people have become more familiar with all these different exciting varieties that come from around the world um, or even grown in your backyard. And that's what we do here at Melissa's is we bring these new varieties into the marketplace and get people excited about produce. Well, but, you know, it seems to me that, that – the public in general is insatiable for new products. How do you track what's due and what you should stock? Um, we look at trends. I think one of the easiest place to find trends um, 
in this case produce, is what the chefs are doing at the restaurants, not only locally but globally. And that reflects what we do when it comes into new products. Our company is always introducing new products. It seems like every month we introduce a new product. On average, we introduce somewhere between 12 and 20 per year. And uh, we, we love to introduce our new products at all the food shows since we do so many food shows throughout the year. And you spend a lot of time in education. You and in your job as, as director of, of public, public relations, um, mm-hmm. but you do an awful lot of, of general education work, don't you? I remember you, you instructed me in, in the whole concept of cherries. I mean, well, <laughs> everything about cherries. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's all about education, our business, because we don't do regular Bing cherries, but we're known for Rainier cherries and dried cherries. We do dried Bing, we do dried Rainier, we do dried tart, and how each is different in flavor profile and whatnot, and in the way you're going to cook it. So, yes, there's a story behind every produce item that we do here at Melissa's. Something interesting happened this year just within the last few weeks that puzzled me and maybe it brings forth a comment on your part because Rainier cherries to me have always been more expensive and they're very good but they're more expensive. This year Whole Foods had them $2 a pound less than red cherries. Yes, well, you know... What was, uh, what's going on really here? It really comes down to supply and demand and whatnot. And last year it was a tougher crop and tougher year for cherries. And so when there's larger supplies, we're going to get a better deal at the store there. But it always seems, Peter, in answering your question there, that the yellow cherries, which are also referred to as the Rainier cherries, tend to be always a little bit more expensive than your red or um, your bean cherries that you find at the store. No, I, well, I asked you was, um, d- tell us what's new and what's hot. And so you selected a variety of products and sent them to us. Um, let's go over what some of those are. Sure. Now, the drinking, organic drinking, um, coconut water. Um, I'm an old coconut water gal from way, way back, uh, from my experience in the South Pacific. We used to have them right off the trees. And, of course, the problem there was um, getting them open without spilling the, <laughs> you know, the, the water. But you you present these in a package that's absolutely genius, don't you? Um, we make it as easy as possible. <laughs> you don't even need a tool no. to open it up. So what we did was... We took the Thai coconut, a mature Thai coconut, because a lot of coconuts actually come from Thailand that you find in your local store. Um, now, on the coconut, there's three eyes on the coconut. Well, the so- there's always one eye that's softer than the other three. So in that one soft eye, we actually put what is, looks like a pop-top, like on a can, <laughs> yes. on the soft eye. So when you buy the product which is packaged with a straw, you just need to uh, pop it open 
it's easier than opening up an aluminum can like a can of Coke or Pepsi. <laughs> Pop it open, and with that straw that's in the package, put it in there, and you're immediately drinking the the water of the coconut as soon as you buy it at the store. It doesn't I mean, get any easier than that. No, it doesn't. And it's now, I mean, tell me why everybody's so nuts about coconut water all of a sudden. Coconut water, um, that's the thats the liquid that's inside a coconut. A lot of people think it's milk, but it's yeah. actually water. The People have been uh, drinking coconut water for a long time, but, um, you know, we're didn't find it easy to be able to get into it. Well, over the last, I would say now, decade, dr- the coconut water is very accessible, whether you find it in the coconut or a lot of times you'll find them in a little can or in a septic package. People like the taste of it, but the neat thing about it, it is a natural electrolyte, and it's tasty, too. It's, it's sweet, and so uh, people have used it as an alternative to those many sports drinks that they add sugar and stuff to. Yes. Well, this is a natural form of getting drinking electrolytes. So people who are, who are into um, athletic things and running or playing a sport, they are really attracted to drinking uh, the coconut water on a daily basis as part of their regimen instead of uh, drinking the man-made electrolyte sports drinks that have a lot of sugar in them that are available in the marketplace. And that's why it's become so popular now. You know, and, and when I was in Guatemala, the, the um, favorite drink at the time was coconut water and scotch. <laughs> sure, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I don't think the point of it was hydration, however. <laughs> <laughs> No, what? You definitely get that. Uh, the coconut water is a great thing. Like if you're because of the electrolytes, and you know if you're hungover from drinking too much scotch the night before, mm-hmm. uh, co- the coconut water because of that really hydrates you and it has electrolytes. So it kind of helps you uh, cure faster if you were having a uh, fun night the night before. Um, that's another benefit to the coconut water there. Um, Beyond uh, just replenishing and, and and rehydrating. Now, what what about this really these really cool looking yellow things? <laughs> the dragon fruit. The dra- uh, yeah. dragon fruit. The dragon fruit. Yeah, really the dragon special. fruit has been a extremely trendy new tropical fruit to the United States. They're pink on the outside, and that's the, the typical common dragon fruit. Are pink on the outside, white with little black seeds on the inside. There's also a, a, a pink dragon fruit that cuts like a, a magenta purple color with little black seeds. Now, these fruits are in the cactus family, but the newest tropical fruit to the United States, it actually comes from Ecuador. It is actually yellow. It's a yellow dragon fruit on the outside. Right, when right. you cut it, it has a white flesh and little black seeds. The difference between the yellow dragon fruit and the typical common pink colored dragon fruit is the flavor. A typical pink dragon fruit has a very mild, sweet tasting flavor. However, Peter and Anne, you guys now trying these oh, yellow dragon fruit, can you tell me, is it mild? 
No, or it, is it very sweet? It's very distinctive. I mean, I remember years ago having the other kind, and it tasted like I think that was put on caterers used to put it on fruit platters to, to look just for looks, you know, make look exotic. But this dragon fruit, the yellow, is absolutely delicious. Yes, it is extremely sweet. A typical pink dragon fruit, Brix's on a refractometer means. Sweetness yeah, level right. is a 12. However, these yellow dragon fruit that you tried recently, they bricks 21, 22. So it's two times sweeter than a typical dragon fruit. Now, that, now Robert, they come from the uh, Amazonian part of Ecuador? I'm not sure the exact location there, but they are grown, because they're in the cactus family, they're grown along the equator, okay. and they have uh, pretty warm temperatures on a year-round basis, which is ideal for this type of, uh, um, this type of fruit. Um, it, it would be considered um, uh, a fruit um, of the Amazon because of its proximity, but I don't know the exact location. Okay, but it, but it, but it's not like a it's not like a what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like a succulent. I guess in a way it is like a succulent. It is. It actually is a fruit grown on a vining cactus. So it is in the cactus pear family, oh, okay. All right. which is also yeah, known as the prickly pear, but very that's, different that's, from a cactus pear. I, I, I thought there must be a relationship there. Um, you know, we, we interviewed, uh, what's the family now, I can't remember, that, that has the, almost a, a lock on prickly pears. Um, oh, they're... Eureka? Uh, Yes, 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 Dorigo. Anyhow, last I talked to them, which was a while ago, they were working on a seedless prickly pear, which I thought was rather futile. Yeah, no, actually, um, the, well, no fruit is truly seedless. However, the characteristic on a typical um, cactus pear, prickly pear, or what they call tunas, has like kind of a chewy like seeds on the inside mm -hmm. and in fact they have did a what you call a seedless cactus pear and it's been around for a few years oh, really? it becomes available here in the summertime um, and it's actually a cactus pear that doesn't have the hard chewy seeds on the inside wow. so that fruit does exist but it is it is very seasonal and it's grown in California. Right. Yeah, but they're, they're the ones the that you, the you ate them The difference between the cactus pear and these dragon fruit is significantly different. You wouldn't even think that they're in the same family. Okay. Uh -huh. No, I, I was I was kidding, and because you, we got cactus pears from somebody. Dorigo. Dorigo, and they were all different colors. But I guess guess what? And ate them all. I didn't, I, even, all I, didn't, I, I didn't even get a single bite. I didn't think you liked prickly pears. I, I don't. <laughs> oh, no. I think they're delicious and refreshing. I love them. Um, but I know exactly there's different shades and different colors. Oh, Most yeah. people think cactus pears are only red, but they're also available green. There's a sunrise one. It's kind of an orange in color. And just all these different flavors there. You got yourself a handful of some really delicious fruit. And you got to share with Peter next time. <laughs> yes. 
I'm, I'm having, I'm getting the dragon fruit. But you got the dragon fruit. I got the dragon fruit. So moving on, what else else were you? Yeah, yeah, what else was set as as trendy and and new? Well, Uh, our company, Melissa's, has been known for introducing different varieties of steamed vegetables. Um, And the trend comes where consumers are looking for convenience. And if you can uh, package a product that is as close to fresh possible and make it easier for the consumer, uh, we've been doing that. And we first started doing this with our steamed vegetable line about 12 years ago. We introduced the steamed beets. From there, we did steamed lentils. From there, we've done uh, steamed fava beans, steamed red kidney beans. So we have this whole line of steamed items. Our newest item to that steamed line of veggies and beans, we now do the um, and, and our favorite and the most favorite um, is the steamed beets. We now do the beets steamed and ready to go in the package in gold, right. which is another variety of beets there. So not only can you get the beets steamed red, you can now also get them gold for gold. those beet lovers out there. Oh, and they make such a beautiful salad, too. Definitely. Yeah. It adds color, gets kids um, more excited about eating different colors in their um, in their recipes there, and that has been a big trend with the parents looking for colors to add to their plate. Now you can put instead of just red beets, you can now put gold beets yes. uh, into a salad or recipe to enjoy. Now you included some snack samples with chia seeds. Now, I mean, I. I Snacking seems to be the snacks seem to be the fastest growing category around in specialty food. Yes, you're referring Ann and Peter to our new our clean snacks. Yes. Now we've done we've been doing the clean snacks in only produce departments across the country for a few years now. Um, and the, the neat thing about the clean snacks is that they're chia seed and flaxseed based. Um, the, the reason why they're called clean snacks is because of the lack of ingredients that are in there. The clean snacks have less than 10 ingredients. On a typical granola, which is what you would say comparable to it that you would find in the grocery department, has an ingredient list of 30 or 40 ingredients. Yeah, and really? that's why you would only find the clean snacks in the produce department. Uh-huh. The three new varieties that I believe you guys got to sample in the clean snacks is now we do a hatch chili, which is a granola with a little bit of spice and using the hatch chili powder in there. We also do a banana coca, so it's banana flavor with coca bean in it. And then finally, the third new flavor for the clean snacks is the Southwest Spice which, like the Hatch Chili, has a spicy flavor profile in there. So we've made the the, um, the clean snacks not only as a dessert, but also savory. So we, we now have clean snacks both sweet and savory. Now you what also, do you guys think of them? Well, I, I thought they were great. Yeah, I, but, had, I had a few right after lunch. Oh, did you? I thought, yeah, I thought they were good. Yes, I like them too, and I'm, and I, I'm not really that big into certain snacks, but these were really, I felt good about them. Yeah, 
And that's the thing. You'll only find them in the produce department, not in the grocery tar- department by the um, – by the uh, granola in the produce department by the fruits and veggies because of its nutritional content. So look for them. Now tell me the one product I really didn't understand. It seemed to be not not a Melissa's kind of thing was the real hollandaise in the little tubes. Yes. Okay. I'll tell you, Ann and Peter. We now do hollandaise sauce. We're always looking for ways in getting America to eat more produce. And so, um, and we've done this before with many of our products, like, for example, Ann and Peter, if you didn't know, we do crepes. But where do you find crepes? We actually do crepes in the produce department by the strawberries. Why? And it's definitely a healthy alternative versus a strawberry shortcake or cake or ice cream. Oh, you mean it's a substitute? So you, you put your strawberries on a crepe instead of on shortbread. Right, exactly. So that's the whole concept there. So we do a hollandaise sauce where we merchandise it right next to the fresh asparagus. You can also merchandise it by, like, broccoli, broccolini. We also merchandise it by the potatoes because the hollandaise sauce, which is by, which if you did it by hand, it's pretty easy, but most people don't think of doing that. Um, or knowing how to make it, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot it with egg whites and it, shallots and stuff like that. It's it, very simple. It can be tricky. It, it enhances the flavor of your vegetables, especially asparagus. Right. Yeah, this is true. Now, I, I, I talked to you once, and every year they predict that the hot new cuisine is going to be Filipino, right? And, and I talked to you once about do you have any Philippine produce? And give give us your answer. We actually do. Uh-huh. And our company, Melissa, has been known for Asian produce uh, and the different varieties that we do offer throughout the year. And uh, definitely that has been a trending um, cuisine um, by migration and immigration of Filipino uh, Americans here in the United States. So, I definitely see that as a trend, and we supply a lot of different produce items that are uh, needed in that uh, cuisine. And we have been a supplier for Filipino uh, produce for a long time, different varieties of eggplants, uh, different varieties of leafy greens and whatnot, even different citrus varieties as well, like like the sadachi fruit, which is uh, a, a typical citrus variety that is a only, well, we only do have it available during the um, the early fall and, and the late fall and early winter's time, but I definitely, we definitely see a trend in that cuisine. Yeah. Well, you, you just hinted on something else is the seasonality of your offerings that I think you must have to work double time to keep up with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of different uh, produce items that we do. And like I said, we do over 1,500 different produce items. Some of them are seasonal um, for just a few weeks or a few months or something. Yeah, you know. Like the hatch chilies, yeah. Yeah, the hatch chili season, we're excited about that. That that, that season is only in during the months of August and September. So that's something that um, that our company has really been known for. And if you go to our site at melissas.com, you'll be able to see where we're doing hatch chili roastings 
during the months of August, September, all across the United States at stores. Yeah, well, the, there's a festival in Pittsburgh with a chain of restaurants here. Ash Chili Festival, actually. Well, you you, you did something um, that I was going to ask you to do. You gave your website because the website, um, you could ask questions on this website, get answers to your questions. Um, mm-hmm. you, you get recipes. It's, it's a fabulous website. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're very proud of it. At first, when we first started doing our website, when I started the uh, company's website just over 16 years ago, it was just answering questions. Over time, you know, um, because of where people are located throughout the United States, and I'm, I, I would be talking about, you know, produce, or in this case, I was talking about some new produce items. If you don't find the produce that you're looking for at your local store, you have a source. You can go to melissas.com, one word, no apostrophe, and you'll be able to try any of these new fruits and vegetables that I've been talking about um, during our segment here. You're an amazing man, Robert Schuler. Thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I, I can't wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, Peter Ann, come to, to me every season. I will tell you what is the best in season and what the newest products, and you won't have to wait until next year. Thank you guys for having me on again this <laughs> Thank year. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye now. The, those new fruits that Robert sent us, they were really, they they were were really good. good. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish you could. I wish I could get him to ship me some new product every day. I love this dragon fruit. Yeah, the dragon. That's what I was thinking With, of. Yeah, because they're related to the um, um, prickly pears that I love so much. Yeah, there you go. Well, they were, well, that time he sent us prickly pears. You ate all of them. I did every one of them. <laughs> all the different colors, everything. I never yeah. even never even got a bite. But that, but that's the way it is. If you're standing closer to the refrigerator, you get you, you get first dibs. <laughs> and and anyway, it's time for us to take a break. But don't go away because we'll be right back. Podcasting services for on the menu radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. It's such a thrill that we get to meet young startup companies and they turn out to be a big success. I mean, the first time we interviewed Viviana Caramanis of Hellenic Farms, um, the company was had a handful of products and, and was not very well known. And now they're winning awards. This year at the Fancy Future, they got the Best New Product Award, which is something to they said, but well, let's talk to Viviana the inter- the inter- and have her. The interesting, t- the interesting thing is that that the country of Greece, where Viviana comes from, and where all our products are made. Yeah, they're from. Uh, I mean, you you've didn't miss the fact that the Greek economy was str- struggling for a while there, yeah. and apparently, what what one of the ways it's coming back is by producing innovative, interesting, and tasty food products. Yeah. and Viviana's at the at the head of that. I'm trying to think, Viviana uh, Karamanis, uh, when did you start Hellenic Farms? Because I think 
we were one of the first people to discover you. You were one of the first. Uh, the idea of Hellenic Farm started back in 2013. Our first product that ar- arrived to the U.S. was actually in 2014. Right. And explain yeah. the, the, it's, the company is called Hellenic Farms, and uh, I'm talking to you about uh, your expansion, the development, uh, expansion certainly of your product list and your development, and you just won um, a, a Sophie for, by the way, it's the vegan fig salami is out of this world, which is what you got the <laughs> Sophie for. Um, Thank you. Yes. And so anyhow, um, just how, how did you get started? What is it the company does? Let's start with that. Right. Uh, so back uh, in 2012, I had actually left my hectic life in New York and moved to Greece. I followed my heart to Greece. Um, there was an economic crisis at the time. I came from TV. My background was TV production, and I knew that I just wasn't going to find a job. Uh, but my family, I come from a family of foodies. Um, and my dad is a seafood distributor in New Jersey. My brother owns a restaurant here. My grandparents back in Greece are mastic farmers. It's like a natural resin. Yeah, that I know only grows in one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I kept finding all of these great little products that I've never seen in the U.S. And I felt like there was a niche market there that I could take back with me because I knew I wouldn't be able to last long in Greece. Um, so the idea started with then my boyfriend, who is now my husband, that we would reach out to these producers and see if they had you know, any presence in the U.S., and every single one of them said no. Um, so I said, okay, there's something here. And what we did is we packed a container um, of all of our favorite products that we had found at the time, and we shipped it out, and we brought it to the U.S., and literally I was like an Avon lady. I was from door <laughs> to door <laughs> with a bag of, of samples uh, trying to get in with any buyer who would give me the time of day. Um, even Vivian, when you, when you say a container, one of those big things, right? One of those big things that fills a semi-trailer, well, or was it small? That's the really that? funny thing. Yeah, it was one of those big things because um, our, my expectations were set so high. And I thought that everyone was going to be obsessed with the products just like we were, and we were going to sell out immediately. <laughs> but we were unknown, so we had no idea. Um, so to be very honest, it wasn't as successful in the beginning as, as, as it is now because we really need to, to build trust. People needed to realize that we were here and we weren't going anywhere and what we brought was real, uh, gourmet products. Um, and Greece was I really just, yeah, sorry. Greece wasn't exactly at the top of everybody's list of who you'd like as a trading partner either. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's exactly it. Um, it wasn't at all, and we had a lot of hesitation. You know, and I would sometimes get questions like, well, is the product we're tasting now what we're going to receive if we put a purchase order? And, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't have a, a very good reputation, and the truth is that it really wasn't fair, and I really did make it my mission from 2013 to change the way people view Greek products. Um, I didn't want them to feel like they only can go to Astoria to get it, or that Italian and Spanish is much better than Greek. You know, what a lot of people don't know is that 80% of our olive oil production is purchased in bulk 
by the Italians because of its high quality. Um, you know, our figs, everything that we've produced, um, because we really are blessed with just such great temperatures, such great climate and terrain, that we were selling it in bulk. So we wanted to change that. And, and I feel like that's what we've done, and we've done a pretty good job of it in a short period of time. Now, how many items are there? Your, your catalog is really rather vast already. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, turn, I turn, kept on turning over page after page after page and thinking, well, you know, these, these can't possibly be the best in the world like they say, but then who, 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 am, I, who am I to doubt Viviana? Yeah. Well, we've won a Sophie every year for the past three years, so that might say something. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's good stuff. You know, I mean, it really is good stuff. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we really, you know, my husband lives there, and he handles all of the quality control, and I live here. So we've really dedicated our lives to making sure that this is really good stuff and that what we're giving to the American table is is really what we're preaching. So our catalog is quite vast. We probably have about 75 views. Um, there were some things that didn't work for us, and there are some things that just work out exceptionally well. But I've noticed there's, you know, people are starting to really ask for Greek products. A lot of Greek uh, bodegas and little um, tavernas are opening up around the country. So that's a very positive sign. Right. Now the Greek the Greek government must think you're absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. I try to keep a low profile. I'm uh-huh. not I want it to be more about the product and less about what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean the products are selling. I mean anything in Greece that you can sell for currency that's not Greek. It's <laughs> <laughs> has, has, has to be one hell of a good deal. You you would you would think they would be camped on your doorstep saying, What can I possibly do to help you may be even more successful? <laughs> Um, you know, the Greek consulate here in uh, New York has been, NDC, have been very, very generous and helpful um, as far as with other producers and sending them our way. Um, but there's only, for example, there's only so much olive oil I can take before it starts competing in our own catalog. Exactly. So, you do have a lot of olive oil. Yeah, we do. So what I do, though, is because when we started in 2013 and I reached out to these Importers, these really big importers that were doing it for years, no one answered my my calls or my questions, despite that we were family friends. So, what I promised was that, despite that we might not take them on as a as a new supplier, I will always offer my advice to these companies. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of family ties involved. There. Are a lot of family ties in the business uh, in general? Um, they just—I think actually the crisis, the economic crisis, has helped has helped with that because a lot of people went back to their roots. They went back to this land that they inherited. They oh, yeah, farmed yeah. it. Yeah. So we're dealing with family producers um, in a lot of aspects, and a lot of people who do what we do here are is still a family business. It's not been bought out by some big company. Right. At least not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you have all manner of things in addition to the olive oils, vinegars, uh, saba, olives. Um, the, the, the the samples that this like this fig salami, which is a spread, which is wonderful, and you have an assortment of those, and they're perfect for cheese. And you, you yeah, yeah, and and you 
put it on um, a level that's um, on demand at this point, like vegan fig salami. What other things have you done to kind of uh, bring the kinds of things that there's a demand for? So we, I noticed that there was also a demand for cheese. Um, however, we didn't handle anything that was perishable, and we still don't. But what we did was we decided to put together spreads that include Greek cheeses, um, like our red pepper and graviera cheese spread. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a shelf-stable item that's just been – it's been – Accepted I just think exceptionally that's fabulous, well. by the way. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been eating those, the jars of the spreads right out of the jar. <laughs> yeah, we, no, thank we, you so much. We, we served them as appetizers with the, with French bread just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, for, we, we for brought it back for dinner party. Mm-hmm. And the, the, re, the red one is <laughs> he's, he's rapidly that's disappearing. That's pretty much gone, yeah. yeah. Is it all gone? Yeah. So, and that's so fun. That's our bestseller out of the spread. Um, and it's a, it's a graviera cheese that a lot of people actually in this country don't know about, but it's probably the second best-selling cheese in Greece after feta. Um, so we really wanted to introduce something new and unique, and we'll be introducing a new uh, beet and yogurt spread. Yeah, that beets are suddenly becoming popular, which is interesting, because a lot of people don't like or didn't like um, beet, and and all of a sudden it's it's on every restaurant menu. And it's you know, yeah, some I agree. Yeah, like every salad. And, um, but and as far as the fig salami, I think that you know our timing was just ideal because there was this whole plant based trend of yes. uh, 2018, and it just came at a perfect time. And ironically, I didn't want to. I didn't really want to market it as vegan because I almost I I'm not vegan, so I didn't want to feel like I'm I'm being a poser. Uh-huh. Um, but I will tell you that the vegan market has accepted oh. and embraced this product um, and has been just so so supportive to our company that it's been exceptional. It's a huge market. I can tell, and we get like twice the number at least of of vegan cookbooks that we used to get. Passing through our, our studio, uh, and and it's a, a prized label to put on in that free from um, category on everything, even if it's not for vegans. Mm-hmm. And people you know, have the idea that, um, and then maybe correctly so that actually, uh, vegan is healthier than than carnivore or omnivore. Yeah, I think they released a, an article a few days ago that said that being vegan will save the planet. Exactly, I read that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think we all need to jump on this bandwagon. Which, but, which, yeah, plan, which planet, though? Which, which, <laughs> which planet are we saving? This one. <laughs> yeah, that's the um, best thing you can do uh, to uh, for sustainability is to eat vegan, is what it said. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just so grateful for how it's been accepted, but not only for the vegans. I think, like you said, it's just a perfect cheese companion. We really wanted to shake up uh, that category also. Well, you have, um, you have another nice category called salt. I mean, We do. Who, who knew the Greeks made gourmet salt? Yeah. <laughs> and really good sea salt. Uh, yes, we have producers, which they call themselves the Band of Four Brothers. They're four best friends who produce it. 
um, in this area uh, called Mesolonghi. So that's all sort of one one place. Yeah, okay. it's all from one place. Uh, Greece doesn't produce pepper, so we can't accompany it with a black pepper. Uh, but uh, yeah, is it, why is it just wrong climate for pepper? Huh? You know what? I don't know, to be very honest. I have asked, but no one has really ever given me the right answer, with the exception of we just don't produce it. Um, Yeah, so I don't really know the the real reason, but there is not pepper. There's no pepper, and if people say there is, it's not very true, unless someone's doing something that we don't know about yet. And you have, well, pepper, pepper probably grows in a different climate. I that's mean, what I just I mean, said. I mean, it's a plant. Salt, salt might be a variety of things, but sure as hell, it's not a plant. Mm. How about okay, the yeah. Peloponnesus strawberry jam? It never occurred to me that uh, that you would grow strawberries on the Peloponnesus. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the biggest area of production in yeah, Greece. That's what I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm reading this. Um, And actually, Kalamata, which is part of the Peloponnese, um, is also a huge producer of figs. Uh Um, And that, we don't actually get, ironically enough, the figs that are in our fig salami come from the island of Evia, which are mine and my husband's favorite figs. Where is this island? I'm not sure I know it. It's very, it's it's very, very close to, to Athens. Okay. It's actually you can drive. It's connected um, by how, bridge. How do you spell it? Uh, e V I A. See, I don't know that one. I don't know. I probably was there. I don't even know it. Probably, they probably didn't have a bridge then. No, probably not. <laughs> they didn't have the EU to give money to build a bridge. Well, wow. that's true. I love this it. Daphnis and Chloe Oregano. <gasps> <laughs> Is, yeah. is it not the most exceptional? Have you? Did I send you guys their wild no, pine flowers? You didn't, no. Oh. But yeah. um, she's amazing. Uh, she's she's a young girl, um, and she started by actually she called like the local bars or local church in areas where she knew that these um, that these herbs and spices grew, um, and she reached out to family producers and she started this company. She was in marketing before then and. It's just taken off. Those two of her products won Sophie Awards for us last year, her oregano and her uh, wild thyme. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just a, very unique products, uh, beautifully packaged, very limited uh, in quantity. And she gets written about all the time in different magazines for the exceptional quality. Now, is, she, is she the one who's doing all the tonics as well? There, all the there, what? There are some infusions. I mean, uh, you can't call them teas because they're not tea. But I noticed there, ah, were, quite, there were quite a few. Of, of Tissanes? I mean, well, they yeah, t- she does the office blend, um, which is a combination of different um, of different herbs. But other than that, no, she really just keeps it. Uh, no, I, ju- I just wondered because there, se- there was a whole section of those kinds of products of which Mrs. Haig is very fond. She, she, she likes... Mystery infusions. <laughs> oh, maybe it was the Orianti teas. Maybe that's what it was. That I, I might be ha- it. I don't have it in front of me. Anne's got the catalog. Yeah, I have the catalog. Yeah. I, I, we have um, bronze fennel that, you know, somebody put it into my backyard, and it kind of takes over, as you know. 
it grows like crazy. And so I've, you can get stuff in three phases. So, um, you know, you get the, um, the, the fronds at a certain time. And then when it goes to flower, you get the, the pollen. And, and then mm-hmm. it goes to seed. And I've always, always tried to, to get myself to collect the seeds. And save them. Cause and we got some this year. Right? We got a lot of them, actually, because we haven't even gone through them. But they're really not as fragrant as the stuff that you carry, for example. Why? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm telling know. you, our, our land is blessed in, in our country. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> We're very lucky. So what do you do next? I mean, you're just keeping, you keep growing? Oh, um, this year was... You know, last year was a lot of um, trial and error. We really did try a lot of different brands and products, like cookies and breadsticks and that sort of, in the baker, baking category, mm-hmm. um, that didn't wasn't accepted very well for us. We've had faced some challenges with some of our products, but we've also realized that a lot of our other products, our more unique products, um, just com- just took off. You know, and what I... I realized was that this country is just always, they're looking for something new, something different. Um, well, this is true. I mean, this is, is the thing that I always had a problem with, with the, uh, tr- the Fancy Food Show and Specialty Food Association, is that they, they put all this emphasis on new, so that some of the best, like pick a category, like chocolate, some of the best chocolate made in this, artisanal chocolate I'm talking about, made in this country, doesn't get any recognition if they've already been recognized for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, they'll pick somebody else just because they're new, and, and I don't know. I just, I'm picky. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, what we're planning on doing, what we're going to continue to do is just really test and sample and be part of the production. We, My husband and I have both really put ourselves into the production side of things as well. Uh, tasting things. We'll be releasing a new uh, fig salami flavor that we'll be introducing at the Fancy Food Show. Um, we'll be releasing a new spread that we'll be releasing at the Fancy Food Show. And these are all things that, you know, in the past six months we've tasted, um, we've tested, and we're just, we need to, we always make sure that we love it, that we love what we sell, um, or else I, I can't sell it. <laughs> well, that's very honest, and I can see it. Um, so growth is in your future. I mean, the other thing that happens, though, is we've watched this happen over and over again, is, is we'll be there for the startup company, and, and it takes off, and they grow, and then they're bought out by a bigger organization. And that seems to be the, the life cycle of artisanal products anymore. I've noticed that a lot, especially when I get the fan, the Specialty Food Association's newsletter every day. It always seems like there's another um, merger and acquisition between a small company and a big company. I'm not opposed to that idea. I just, you know, this is my baby. I don't have any children. This is my child, and mine and my husband's child. So I think that it would be someone who really, really needs to understand that at the end of the day, Greece is really, despite that we're probably one of the oldest countries in the world and, you know, the founders of so much to be proud of, when it comes to the food industry, we're still sort of new. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I needed, I would need to be very cautious with people understanding. I don't, I want to keep all our products Greek. I don't want, you know, I want the ingredients to be Greek. I want everything to be Greek. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to take away from that. So, well, you can, anyhow, um, I love seeing a, a company that I spotted early on become really successful, and so I'm always happy for you to win awards and to develop new products and, and be a success. And we, and we Thank wish, you. And we wish you all the, absolutely the very best. Yeah, Viviana. Thank you for all your support from the way beginning. It's been really, really helpful, so I'm really grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Next up, we've got Leslie Bullock, who has a very interesting story to tell about her Cat Island cookies. And you're going to have to wait. We're going to we're going to let you make you wait to find out why they call Cat Island. So there, <laughs> if you want to you want to find out, you have to listen to the interview. And and we, we love we love these cookies. We especially love the savory ones, if you remember. Oh right! They were, they, they, they were the ones that Jeez, yeah. they're the ones that stuck in our mind the most, I guess. But anyway, here's Leslie Bullock telling us the story of Cat Island cookies from Alabama, I think. Well, we have had a fine old time eating Cat Island cookies and crackers, and so we're going to be talking to Leslie Bullock, which is a very famous name. I was telling her that. Um, um, that uh, Sandra Bullock's sister is a baker in Vermont, so there must be something attached to the Bullock name here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about, the, first of all, Cat Island. Well, Cat Island um, is a one of our barrier islands off the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's just a couple miles long, and it's about seven miles off of the coast of Mississippi. And... We look at it every day, so we figured, why not? And Cat Island actually has absolutely nothing to do with cats. When the French settlers came over here hundreds of years ago, and they and they happened upon Cat Island, and they were looking at it through their spyglass, they saw all these raccoons, and they thought they were cats, so they named it Cat Island. <laughs> Tr- and trust, the trust, trust the French to get it right, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, what is your connection to to baking and starting an entrepreneurship, starting a company. How did you get into this? Well, I I lived in New York for about 20 years, and while I was there, I was a pastry chef um, in a few restaurants in in the Tribeca area of New York, and I just fell in love with baking. And when I moved, I'm from past Christian, Mississippi originally, and when I moved back here to raise my daughters, as a single mom, I uh, I needed a job, quite honestly, and so I figured what would be better than something I already kind of know how to do pretty well, and as I was looking around in this area, there weren't a whole lot of wholesome snacks, there weren't a whole lot of uh, cookies and crackers that, that weren't loaded with preservatives and artificial colors and artificial flavors and ingredients, so 
I went back to my roots of baking and, and started coming up with some products that um, I started selling. And we opened, I guess we started cooking um, out of a commercial kitchen that was in a, in a church in October 2014. And way since moved out of there, but um, we're now in our third building. And uh, that's kind of how we started out. Well, I mean, the product, okay, we're, we're applauding this product because it's all natural and you use sustainable practices and, and you're socially responsible and all those things. But the, the real thing that matters is they really taste great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I eat them every day and I'm still not tired of them. So, oh, you do yes. eat them every day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we actually, that's one of the one of the uh, pitfalls of being in this business is everybody who works here has to try the product every day just to make sure yeah. that it passes quality tests. So whatever we're making that day, everybody has to try at least a couple batches. Wow. Of course, I mean, Peter, since I've had the history of being a restaurant critic, um, Peter books us into all these 22-course dinners places. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I should, I should be the size of a, an elephant at this point. But <laughs> I guess we all survived, don't we? Um, it's all in moderation. Yes. But anyhow, you, of course, naturally come to this concept of, of wanting something healthy and wholesome because you were raising daughters, is that it? Yes, that's right. I have two daughters. Yeah, yeah. And they are now eight, yeah. They are eighteen and almost seventeen. So oh, you're gonna be an empty nester. Yes, they are they're grown. Actually my younger one, my seventeen year old works for me sometimes. Oh good, you're passing on this uh, baking gene, huh? Yes, I hope so. Right. And um so What's it like living in a place called Past Christian? What is it? Past Christian, Mississippi. It's really nice. It's beautiful. You know, it was a big change from New York. I can't quite picture my, it. My kids could go out when they were when we moved here. They were eight and nine, and they could actually go out on their bicycles and ride around on the block and come back when it was time for dinner. So it gave them a lot more freedom. It's a really, actually, quite a beautiful location. It's right on the water, and uh, we have beautiful bay views, and we have beautiful uh, golf views, and bayous. We have bayous. Wow. It's really idyllic. It's a little warm in the summer, but it's okay. <laughs> See, I like warm, but, I mean, did you originally have southern connections? How did you find this place? Yes, I, am, I was actually... Raised here in Past Christian, Mississippi, so I still have family here. My father still lives here, and my sister lives here. So um, I had a very familial connection to it, and I grew up here. Oh well, that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. So, um, how many different? Are you always doing new product development? How many different lines do you have? I mean, we we know the savory because we ate those right off the bat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The cheddar and the Asiago, and uh, was it rosemary that we have? The rosemary, the rosemary are not quite out yet, so you you got to jump on the um, on the product right there. Those are going to be introduced to the market this summer. But we have three savory crackers. We have the zesty cheddar. We have the spicy Asiago, 
and we're coming out with the rosemary garlic wafers um, later this summer, probably around, they'll be available in July. And then we have um, three chocolate chip flavors. We have regular deep sea chocolate chip, we have a pecan chocolate chip, and a toffee chocolate chip. And we make our own coffee in house. <laughs> and then we have three, we have three butter cookies. We have brown butter, lemon butter, and lime butter cookies. Yeah, the, the um, brown butter are just spectacular. Some of those lemon things, what were those? So, yeah, so, you know, everyone asks me what my favorite cookie is, and, and I have to say, whatever cookie we're making that day. Right. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, so, so, so it varies from day to day, huh? That's correct. And I bet I bet people in past Christian can smell what you're making. Right? Oh yeah, sometimes they can if they're close enough to our facility. They sure can. It's funny, cl- so. very very close to where we live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's an old plant of the N- of the NBC, the Nabisco yeah. Biscuit Company. Uh huh. And it closed probably twenty five or thirty years ago, but. People who lived in the neighborhood swore they could tell what were, what, oh, was, sure. what was being made that day. They made Fig Newtons. I mean, you couldn't oh, miss that's that funny. one. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. really great. So, um, you know, you're going to be at the Fancy Food Show. Is this your first venture there? This is our first venture at the Fancy Food Show, yes. We're very excited about it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big show. We're, uh, I, I went to it years ago as just as a, a guest of somebody else before I got into this business. But it's, it's pretty overwhelming. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah. It, it gets bigger every year. It's just, it's amazing. It, you walk, I don't know how we do it. I mean, <laughs> um, you walk and you walk and every single step of the way you switch to things from like, uh, cookies and crackers to cheese to salami, and you do that for three days. <laughs> yeah. I've done other food shows before, and so I've learned never to eat lunch or breakfast. You just go and you can walk the floor and have your breakfast and lunch and dinner, quite honestly, with everything they have out. Right. Now, how do you market these besides the fancy food show, which is certainly, I think, is a good starting point, period. Absolutely. Uh, we marketed, well, we first started marketing it by me going to grocery stores and knocking on doors and, you know, giving them samples of our products and they would take them. So, because they liked them so much. Um, so we started locally doing that. Uh, we also use social media as much as we can. Okay. We'd like to post on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but it's really our marketing, most of our budget is once we get into a store or a location where we're, we're new, we like to set up demos and have people actually come and try our products in the store because I feel like once you try it, you're either going to love it and buy it or you're going to like it a whole lot and think about it and maybe circle back around and get us another time. But we really find that um, marketing through in-store demonstrations is really the best way for us to do it. So, so the take-up rate has been really good, huh? Yes, it has. Whole Foods is, Whole Foods is missing out, right? They are missing out, but that's okay. Someday they will realize what they're missing out on, and, and hopefully they'll come and, and say, hey, come bring your product then. <laughs> yeah, now, now, we understand what um, wholesome is. Um, what do you do that you term socially responsible? Well, what we do, you know, socially responsible, there are a couple of different ways you can look at it. Um, one of the things we do uh, that is, we find is socially responsible, we like to donate a lot of products and gift baskets 
to uh, charities and charitable events, schools, churches. We also give a lot of product that might be too old to sell to stores, meaning they want to have like a few months of shelf life. We'll give that to food banks around here and, and kitchens, food kitchens, um, and they love that. We also um, we try to do as much recycling as we can. Our packaging, our boxes are easily folded right into a recycle bin. We like to reuse and re- uh, recycle our shipping boxes and pallets, recycle containers for um, that are unusable cardboard and boxes. We put those in our recycling bin, our, our big dumpster, recycling dumpster. Um, also, for socially responsible practices, we like to hire people who are local. And we, we don't look at someone's background so much as, as their um, ambition to learn something new and learn a new trade. And what we like to do is recognize whatever potential talents they may have and, and train them to increase their skills and increase their value in the workplace. And um, for the most part, most of our workers have been with us. Well, two of them have been there since pretty much we opened our doors. And, um, and you know, we just like to hire people locally. We hire military, uh, veterans who are in the military. So we just we want to give back to our community and be immersed in our community. How, how many employees do you have, uh, Leslie? Uh, working in the shop and in the um, offices, we have about eight or nine, depending, you know, if we have need for more people. And higher seasons, like in September, October, November, we'll go up to about 14 people. Um, we also have sales force of four people right now. So we're slowly adding people as our needs increase. Do, do you ever pinch yourself and say, how did I get here? <laughs> Sometimes I pinch myself and say that. Sometimes I pinch myself and say, what have you done? <laughs> well, Anyone who started a business can will probably vouch for that. Right. Yeah, and you also do packaging. You, you can get smaller portable sizes as well as full size. Uh, so it's very flexible. And you, you also mark, you order online. Uh, do you want to do that again, that, that website? Uh, yes, you can order our products online at www.catislandcookies.com. And you'll find some products online that you won't find in any store. We sell exclusively a few products, and we come out with some uh, new products quarterly and put them online that are not always cookies. Sometimes they're cakes. Um, and, you know, it's exciting things for new seasons. Well, I expect your client list is, is going to, a customer list is certainly going to expand after your appearance at the Fancy Food Show. Uh, so, well, I hope so. Yeah, and I'm wishing you lots of continued success because you've got a great product and a terrific well, attitude. You. So. And, and this is well, a, thank th- you very much. This is a great all-American story. Well, Well done, Leslie Bullock. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Leslie. Have fun, huh? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. So so just when you thought you'd tried every kind of cookie there was in these United States. Cookies and crackers. We we found new ones for you. We hope you enjoyed Leslie's story. And we'll have more good stories for you same time, same place next week. So don't be shy. Join us again, and until then, bye-bye.